The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Dollar. And here we are, thanking you for being along with us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast as we turn to a brand new book. Always nice when we transition from one book to another. We're making progress. We've just finished the wonderful book of Romans in the New Testament. Now we turn back to the Old Testament, back to the Hebrew Scriptures. We left the people of Israel at the end of the books of the Chronicles. Second Chronicles ended with Cyrus, the king of Persia, asking for volunteers to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God there. Ezra traditionally is recognized as the author of First and Second Chronicles, and he continues his account. The first three verses we'll read tonight from the book of Ezra are almost identical to the last three verses of the book of Second Chronicles. Then we have these two caravans of God's people returning to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel is the leader of the first trip, joined by over 42,000 pilgrims, 42,360 to be exact, who journeyed homeward on the orders of King Cyrus of Persia. After arriving, they will rebuild the altar, the temple foundations, and so on. And uh, we'll go on through Ezra and Nehemiah, where the walls are rebuilt around Jerusalem, the city. So we're moving now into this era of the fulfillment of the prophecies that the people of Israel would be in exile for 70 years. And so now they are returning. I'll catch you up a little bit more on the book of Ezra as we move into that book. But right now, let's go to Psalm 89. We're actually picking up in the third section of Psalm 89, where it talks about the permanent aspects of God's covenant with the people of Israel, the faith descendants of Abraham. Psalm 89. Psalm 89, 35-52 I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His dynasty will go on forever. His throne is as secure as the sun, as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. But now you have rejected him. Why are you so angry with the one you chose as king? You have renounced your covenant with him, for you have thrown his crown in the dust. 
You have broken down the walls protecting him and laid in ruins every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him while his neighbors mock. You have strengthened his enemies against him and made them all rejoice. You have made his sword useless and have refused to help him in battle. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. You have made him old before his time and publicly disgraced him. O oh Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever, all will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. I carry in my heart the insults of so many people. Your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock the one you anointed as king. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. End of reading, Psalm 89, 35 through 52. Well, there you have another beautiful portion of Scripture, Psalm 89, talking about and highlighting the the dual covenant, the dual nature of the covenant God made with Abraham and his descendants. One is an earthly covenant, which was broken and done away with because of their failure, but there was a spiritual aspect of that covenant that goes on to his people forever. Ezra now was a priest from the tribe of the Levites, a scribe, meaning one of those who he was very committed to the Bible. If you were to make a list of great men of faith, great biblical heroes, your list would be incomplete if it did not include Ezra. Now, he's not very well known, that's true. As I say, he was a priest, a scribe. He was a great leader of men. His name actually means help or servant. His whole life was dedicated to serving God, serving God's people. He wrote most of First and Second Chronicles. He wrote the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, and Psalm 119, the longest psalm of all the 150 psalms. Almost every verse has to do with the beauty, the power, the truth of God's Word. He led the council of 120 men who compiled the Old Testament canon. Ezra truly lived out his faith. He not only knew God's Word, he believed it and he obeyed it. He wrote this book of Ezra about 450 years B.C., recording the events from about 538 to 450 B.C., possibly begun being written from Babylon and finished in Jerusalem. His audience originally were the exile community, those who were returning to Israel after the 70 years of exile in Babylon. Second Chronicles ended with Cyrus, king of Persia. It's about 538 B.C., 48 years after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem, uh, defeating the southern kingdom of Judah and carrying the Jews away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar died in 562. Then following a series of successors that were not strong, Babylon was overthrown by Persia in 539. Finally, we come to King Cyrus, who authorizes a group of the Jews to go back to the Promised Land to rebuild the temple there. Let's pick it up there in the book of Ezra on the Bible Life. Ezra 1, 1 through 423. Ezra 1. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled Jeremiah's prophecy by stirring the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation into writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. 
The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem in the land of Judah. All of you who are his people may return to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Those who live in any place where Jewish survivors are found should contribute toward their expenses by supplying them with silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a freewill offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them vessels of silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock. They gave them many choice gifts in addition to all the freewill offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the valuable items which King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mithridath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazzar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. These were the items Cyrus donated. Gold trays, 30. Silver trays, 1,000. Silver censers, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Silver bowls, 410. Other items, 1,000. In all, 5,400 gold and silver items were turned over to Sheshbazzar, to take back to Jerusalem when the exiles returned there from Babylon. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 2. Here is the list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity to Jerusalem and to the other towns of Judah. They had been deported to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Seraiah, Relaiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvai, Rehum, and Baranah. This is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. The family of Parosh, 2,172. The family of Shephatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 775. The family of Pahath Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 945. The family of Zakai, 760. The family of Bani, 642. The family of Bebai, 623. The family of Osgod, 1,222. The family of Adonikam, 666. The family of Bigvai, 2,056. The family of Adin, 454. The family of Ater, descendants of Hezekiah, 98. The family of Bezai, 323. The family of Jorah, 112. The family of Hashum, 223. The family of Gibar, 95. The people of Bethlehem, 123. The people of Netophah, 56. The people of Anathoth, 128. The people of Beth Osmaveth, 42. The peoples of Kiriath Jerom, Kephira, and Beroth, 743. The peoples of Ramah and Geba, 621. The people of Mikmash, 122. The peoples of Bethel and Ai, 223. The citizens of Nabo, 52. The citizens of Magbish, 156. The citizens of Elam, 1,254. The citizens of Harim, 320. The citizens of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 725. The citizens of Jericho, 345. The citizens of Sena'a, 3,630. These are the priests who returned from exile. The family of Jediah through the line of Jeshua, 973. 
the family of Emer, 1,052, the family of Pashur, 1,247, the family of Harim, 1,017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua and Kadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The singers of the family of Asaph, 128. The gatekeepers of the families of Shalom, Ater, Talmon, Akub, Hatita, and Shobai, 139. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile. Ziha, Hasufa, Tabaoth, Keros, Siaha, Padon, Lebana, Hagaba, Akub, Hagab, Shelmai, Hanan, Gidel, Gahar, Reaiah, Rezin, Nekoda, Gazam, Uza, Pasea, Besai, Asna, Meunim, Nefusim, Bagbuk, Hakufa, Harher, Basluth, Mehida, Harsha, Barkos, Sisera, Tama, Neziah, and Hatifa. The descendants of these servants of King Solomon returned from exile. Sotai, Sophereth, Peruda, Jala, Darkon, Gidel, Shephatiah, Hatil, Pokereth, Hazabaim, and Ami. In all, the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants numbered 392. Another group returned to Jerusalem at this time from the towns of Tel Malah, Tel Harsha, Kerub, Adon, and Emer. However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group consisted of the families of Delaiah, Tobiah, and Nekoda, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Hobaiah, Hakos, and Barzillai, also returned to Jerusalem. This Barzillai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. But they had lost their genealogical records, so they were not allowed to serve as priests. The governor would not even let them eat the priest's share of the food from the sacrifices until there was a priest who could consult the Lord about the matter by means of sacred lots. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah, in addition to 7,337 servants and 200 singers both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders gave generously toward the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site, and each leader gave as much as he could. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 robes for the priests. So the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled in villages near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to the other towns of Judah from which they had come. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 3. Now in early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled together as one person in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family, began to rebuild the altar of the God of Israel so they could sacrifice burnt offerings on it, as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they immediately began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord. They did this each morning and evening. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law of Moses, sacrificing the burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the other annual festivals to the Lord. 
free will offerings were also sacrificed to the Lord by the people. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was also before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Then they hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and all the Levites. The Levites, who were twenty years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Jeshua with his sons and relatives, and Kadmiel and his sons, all descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadad. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. Many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders remembered the first temple, and they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud commotion that could be heard far in the distance. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 4 the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You may have no part in this work, for we have nothing in common. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their aims. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. Years later, when Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote him a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And even later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, the enemies of Judah, led by Bishlam, Mithradath, and Tabil, sent a letter to Artaxerxes in the Aramaic language, and it was translated for the king. Rehum the governor and Shimshai the court secretary wrote the letter, telling King Artaxerxes about the situation in Jerusalem. They greeted the king for all their colleagues, the judges and local leaders, the people of Tarpel, the Persians, the Babylonians, and the people of Erek and Susa, that is, Elam. They also sent greetings from the rest of the people whom the great and noble Ashurbanipal had deported and relocated in Samaria and throughout the neighboring lands of the province west of the Euphrates River. This is a copy of the letter they sent him. To Artaxerxes, from your loyal subjects in the province west of the Euphrates River. 
Please be informed that the Jews who came here to Jerusalem from Babylon are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city. They have already laid the foundation for its walls and will soon complete them. But we wish you to know that if this city is rebuilt and its walls completed, it will be much to your disadvantage, for the Jews will then refuse to pay their tribute, customs, and tolls to you. Since we are loyal to you as your subjects, and we do not want to see you dishonored in this way, we have sent you this information. We suggest that you search your ancestors' records, where you will discover what a rebellious city this has been in the past. In fact, it was destroyed because of its long history of sedition against the kings and countries who attempted to control it. We declare that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the province west of the Euphrates River will be lost to you. Then Artaxerxes made this reply to Rehum the governor, Shimshai the court secretary, and their colleagues living in Samaria and throughout the province west of the Euphrates River. Greetings. The letter you sent has been translated and read to me. I have ordered a search to be made of the records, and have indeed found that Jerusalem has in times past been a hotbed of insurrection against many kings. In fact, rebellion and sedition are normal there. Powerful kings have ruled over Jerusalem and the entire province west of the Euphrates River, and have received vast tribute, customs, and tolls. Therefore, issue orders to have these people stop their work. That city must not be rebuilt except at my express command. Do not delay, for we must not permit the situation to get out of control. When this letter from King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum, Shimshai, and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem and forced the Jews to stop building. End of reading Ezra 1.1 through 4.23 This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. Nebuchadnezzar had died, the one who had conquered Judah, conquered Jerusalem. His successors were not strong, so the Babylon Empire was overthrown by Persia in 539, events that were just prior to this book of Ezra. Both the Babylonians and the Persians began to relax their policies toward their captives, allowing many of them to return to their homelands and to take ordinary jobs. Many Jews, such as Daniel, Mordecai, Esther, they rose to prominent positions within the Babylonian Empire. Now, King Cyrus of Persia went a step further here. He allows many of the groups of exiles to return to their homelands and establish what he hoped would be buffer zones around the borders of his empire, buffer zones of people that were loyal to him. Now Cyrus was used by God to return the Jews to their homeland. He may have been shown the prophecy of Isaiah 44 verse 28. A hundred years prior to his birth, he is mentioned by name by the great prophet Isaiah. Verse 28 says, when I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. Isaiah here prophesies this empire, this king named Cyrus, who would release the people of Israel after the 70 years of captivity that Jeremiah, another prophet, had foretold. This 70-year period is usually dated from the first captivity till the time of the finishing of the rebuilding of the temple there. And so that's a 70-year period almost exactly. 
Cyrus gave the proclamation allowing their return, gave them protection, money, and he even returned to them the temple articles taken by Nebuchadnezzar 48 years before. Nebuchadnezzar took what was there when he conquered the city in 586 B.C. Now then, Cyrus returns those temple furnishings with Zerubbabel. This proclamation permits the Jews to work together to accomplish the task of rebuilding the temple. Significant ventures like this require a lot of teamwork and great leadership. And this is the function you're going to see with Zerubbabel, then Ezra, then Nehemiah. Now those who do return in three great returning groups... Uh, in 538, we just read about the group led by Zerubbabel. They rebuild the temple, but only after a 20-year struggle. You're going to see they're going to be set upon by all of their enemies around them that try to discourage them and distract them. Another group comes in 458 B.C., about 50 years later, actually, led by Ezra himself. He confronts the spiritual disobedience of the people, leads them to repentance and reestablishment of worship at the temple. But the walls around Jerusalem remain in ruins, and that's why then Nehemiah comes in 445 B.C. Nehemiah comes under Artaxerxes I, and the city is actually rebuilt. One of the eight great spiritual awakenings that we see recorded in the Old Testament that happens during that time, a spiritual revival. There are principles that we can pick up on in each one of these great spiritual awakenings that happened in the Old Testament. And one thing I can tell you for sure, all eight of these spiritual awakenings were preceded by a powerful experience of the proclamation of the Scriptures. And that's what the Bible Live radio program is all about. It is good to listen to the book of Ezra with a good commentary, a Bible dictionary at hand. Its foundations are in history, and you can read about Cyrus and Darius and Xerxes and Artaxerxes I, and you set this in its place. These men and women, some of them left homes, great riches and position that they had found. They went back to rebuild a nation and to rebuild a dream, a vision of God's involvement with a people. But they were subject to discouragement and fear. Discouragement and fear are two of the greatest obstacles to completing God's work. And most often they come when we don't expect them. Discouragement eats away at our motivation and fear paralyzes us so we don't act at all. We need to recognize these common barriers at work today as well. God's people in every age have faced these problems. And with His help, we can overcome them. See you next time. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.